Welcome back to another episode of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. Hey, this will be our last episode pretty much for our second year of broadcasting the show on AMI-audio and the podcast. But good news, folks. Contract's been renewed for another year. Today, we're going to start with Lily filling us in on five must-do myths if you're going to get on a boat and be safe about it. I'm speaking with Bruce Cook from the AMI-TV show by hook or by cook he's going to talk to us about season two and his renovation of a hundred year old lodge to make it more accessible i'm going to offer a few tips on what i think makes for a perfect cabin in the forest or by the lake and i'm going to reflect a bit on the pros and cons of owning a travel trailer versus a cabin come on lewis let's go find miss lily Getting schooled with Miss Lily. Lily, you've been having a busy summer. Lots of fishing and driving my truck whenever you can get your mother to go driving with you. Are you happy with your summer so far? It doesn't feel very long. It feels shorter than most other summers, but I did a lot of fun stuff. Lily, what important bit of outdoor information do you have to share with us today? It seems that as long as sailors have sailed the seas, they have held superstitious beliefs about things that could bring bad luck to a ship. Today, many boaters still follow these superstitions. I've even heard you warn people you plan to go fishing with on your boat. Yeah, that's true. But you know, I'm not really superstitious. But why take a chance and ruin a perfectly good day of fishing if you can avoid it? Here are five common boating superstitions. Uh, Number one, it's bad luck to rename a boat. This widespread notion dates back to ancient Greek mythology. Today, if you purchase a pre-owned boat and want to give it a new name, some believe there is a way to avoid the curse. First, you need to rid the vessel of any trace of its old name, then gather your family and friends and hold a boat rechristening ceremony. I stopped naming my boats 10 boats ago, but um, you know, like my blind fishing boat, you know, that's been around for 16 years now, and when I got it, I named it the Lillianne after you and your mother. Um, never step onto a boat with your left foot. This sailor's superstition stems from a medieval misperception that left side was unlucky. I've never heard of this one, but I doubt I'll start enforcing it with my friends. Uh, they'll think I'm nuts. They'll toss me overboard. Number three, whistling is forbidden on board. Sailors believe that whistling on deck would summon a fierce wind that could sink the boat. There is one exception to the rule, however. The ship's cook was allowed, even encouraged, to whistle because as long as he was whistling, he wasn't eating his shipmate's rations. Funny enough, this is one rule I still follow, but I never knew why. Number four, bananas should be banned from boats. This superstition dating back to the 1700s is particularly prevalent among anglers who believe you will never catch a fish from a boat that has a banana on board. There are numerous theories as to how bananas got such a bad rap. Uh, One is that ships transporting bananas had to sail fast in order to get to port before the fruit ripened. Bananas release ethylene gas, which makes other fruits stored nearby ripen and ultimately rot more quickly. Sailors also were afraid of the deadly tropical spiders that sometimes hid in the banana crates in the cargo hold. You know, it's funny. To this day, a lot of people I fish with, especially in fishing competitions, they really believe in this no banana rule. In fact, it's got to the point that some people, they actually hide a banana on their competitor's boat to bring the bad luck. Number five, cats bring boats good luck. 
Positive sailor superstition. Yeah. Uh, ships of old commonly sailed with cats because the furry felines helped to control the rodent population on board. Ship cats also prevented rats from gnawing on wooden decks and rope riggings, as well as eating the cargo. Sailors believed that if you took care of the ship's cat, good luck would follow. Conversely, if the cat fell overboard, that could summon a deadly storm. Well, cats, black cats and all that stuff. But, you know, I don't know anyone that goes fishing with a cat. Lots of people bring dogs. Thanks, Lily. Time for the bucket list. Bruce Cook, by hook or by cook. Welcome to Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I love the name. Of course, I was instantly attracted to your program because of the hook thing. You know, I'm into fishing in a big way, <laughs> but uh, you bring a whole new dimension to this this age old term by hook or by crook and cook is your name. So uh, how did you get into this whole thing? Yeah, so it was basically uh, just kind of got headhunted, if you want to call it that, um, just because of my background with extreme sports and just uh, adventure and and kind of trying new things. I had never hosted a TV show, really been on a TV show, anything. So it was all very new to me. But uh, yeah, here we are, you know, filming on our third season now. So it's, it's obviously gone well. Well, you're natural. You've got a great pace to you, a great voice, great presentation, great personality. So I, I, I'm I'm expecting bigger things for you, my friend, you know, Spider-Man <laughs> no, or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. appreciate it. Yeah, but you've already been tempted away by a bunch of different things and uh, you're already having to say no, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when it rains, it pours, I guess. It's uh, as soon as you kind of get one thing, all of a sudden all these other things come up. So yeah, you kind of just got to decide what's best for you and what the future is and, and go from there. And we'll talk more about the future at the end of our interview. But first, I want to talk about your uh, season two, I guess, it was involved in. Um, renovating uh, an outdoor lodge to make it accessible. And I love the idea of going to lodges, you know, fly in, boat in, whatever. And you get there and you never know what to expect. You know, is it a rickety dink kind of falling down thing? Is it something that's been sort of recycled? There's this, a, a, you know, some sort of multi-million dollar billionaire escape lodge with logs flown in from the other side of the world. You right. never know, right? Yeah. So this one's a little bit of everything minus the billionaire part. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's a lodge that's, it, it's actually located on an old uh, railway, which it's called the Kettle Valley Railway. And uh, it was built by, you know, miners, prospectors, loggers, that type of thing. So it's a very old rustic cabin that I've been going to my whole life, you know, grew up going there. It was very different at the time. But then um, a couple bought the lodge, I believe, four years ago and wanted to kind of renovate it, bring it back to life because it had gone downhill quite a bit. So uh, they'd been running it for, I think, two to three years by the time we came in and then uh they were totally on board to to you know try and make it accessible accessible as possible uh and that's one of the tricky things with it because it is this hundred year old lodge it's made out of logs and um it's very rustic you know with the railings and everything and that's part of the appeal so mm. it, for the lodge owners it probably would have been uh more cost effective to bulldoze the lodge and all the cabins and just start fresh oh, and yeah. have everything to code yeah, but that yeah. would take away the appeal 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause yeah, you're, you're a good half hour out of town on a gravel road to get to this place situated on a lake. And, uh, so that was one thing that I really wanted to focus on was trying to keep that appeal because, uh, myself as a wheelchair user, a lot of the places that are quote unquote perfect, uh, for accessibility are very hospital like, and just, you know, the oh, white wow. walls and the really long ramps and the handles, which makes yeah. it really nice to get around but there's none of that lodge feel. So I wanted to keep some, you know, rusty broken boards in places, obviously not on walkways, but, and so that's what we kind of focused on is using some of the old wood. Like for instance, there's a bathroom with a probably six inch step to get into it. And so it's got all these beautiful rough cut timbers uh, on the walkway. So all we did was just pop those up, built some new structure underneath uh, in the form of a ramp and then Mm. place those boards back over top. So it still looks the same, feels the same, but it just makes sense. And I think people that have been going there for years probably wouldn't even notice that it's a ramp now and not a step. And that's kind of what we tried to do. Um, and then no one's no one's tripping as they go into the bathroom anymore, well, exactly. banging their head on the toilet seat. Same old thing. It's good for everyone. Like, yeah. uh, you know, even if you're able bodied, it's nice to not have that step and because they're not to code steps and, um, you know, you know, nothing's nothing's really to code. Surprise steps are my biggest bugaboo, you know, and it's, sometimes you see these sunken living rooms, you know, for me, it just puts oh. the fear of the Lord into me. Right? I think of the, well, a sunken living room. Great. Oh, I have to think about that for the rest of yep. my time here. Or, exactly. or these, these multi-level decks, right? Where yep. they have the terrace the deck and yeah. they go why do that you're just asking for a lawsuit right when your drunken buddy topples yeah. <laughs> over the edge and breaks their yeah. head and i mean you hear there's there's servers going in and out with trays in front of them and so the front door had about a two or three inch lip so yeah. you just put a simple little ramp and everyone loves it because they're not tripping uh with these with all their drinks and food in their hands so yeah just little things like that was it made a huge difference Describe the lodge a bit, like you stand back on the driveway. What, what are you looking at? You drive in on the Kettle Valley Railway itself. So you're on the old rail bed and then oh. on your left, it's a fairly good sized lake. I don't know. It'd be probably half a kilometer long. Um, I don't know what it would be, a, a, a quarter kilometer, like 250 meters wide good, kind of thing. Good for canoeing uh, and kayaks. Oh, yeah. 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 Stand up paddle boards. There's some fishing boats for rent. And then uh, on your right, it just kind of opens up as you uh, leave the tight trees and you just see uh, old rustic fences. There's an old windmill. Um, And then uh, as you pull in, they have these new glamping tents, which are a new thing. Wall tents. Yeah, they're they're really nice. Yeah, Yeah, and uh, they are. You don't expect it when you open the door, but yeah, beautiful beds, you know, fireplaces, all that. Wow. And then uh, and then the lodge is behind all that, which is a fairly substantial two-story building but yeah very rustic campsites scattered all around it scattered behind the lodge is all these cabins which are kind of one and two bedroom places that now most of them have uh, bathrooms in them so it's yeah that helps with accessibility also not having to go to a separate shower house what they call the housekeeping cabins that you rent and then you do your own cooking yeah yeah Yeah. and then these old old um uh stoves in each one that you can use for heat or cooking if you wanted but yeah they're probably about 100 years old and they wow still the same with the the slide out trays and uh, the area for coal and yeah it's really cool it it takes you back and in in the cabins actually um there's all the the prospectors names and stuff carved where the beds were like you know with 1929 on it and and dave and like yeah it's just cool 
it really takes you back and puts you in the moment of, of being back there and, and what it would have been like. Well, I could see why the owners wouldn't want to like just erase that history, right? I mean, that's that's part of the appeal. As you come up there, you're you're stepping back in time. It, it must have made it more challenging for you, though. Like when you start talking about widening doorways and and ramps and and uh, things like that. In addition to sort of the uh, physical accessibility, were there sort of things that related to visual access, like lighting or contrast? Yeah, so that's what we, we tried to work with a couple of the guys that we had on the show. Uh, ben, that did the blind uh, driving. The yeah. go-kart racing guy. Yeah, man, that's yeah. yeah. Cool guy. so he was up there. He said it was pretty good, and it was just a pretty easy layout to uh, to kind of memorize. And um, I guess one of the good things is there's different materials on the ground. So when, when it goes from hard pack to some gravelly areas, and uh, so he was able to, while walking around, just know where he was just by what was on the ground. The ramps helped with him also. And because, like I said, it's it's not just, okay, everything is a four inch step or everything is an eight inch step. Mm. There's a one inch and then there's a 12 inch and then there's <laughs> yeah. a seven inch. Like nobody is stepping over those easily. No. Um, so yeah, things like that. And then one of the biggest things uh, right at the end is a new bathhouse. Oh. And uh, that one is huge. It's, um, it's, it's got uh, three separate stalls, um, which are bathroom, shower, everything. It is brand new because the old one was not a uh, hundred years old. It was more like 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And it was basically just a uh, metal building, really yeah. small doors, yeah. uh, rustic Cross. in a bad way. So did you go to the gender neutral bath? There's a lot of sensitivities about bathrooms now. Like, are you go gender neutral or what I like now? is you, it's just a door you go inside it's a bathroom you got a shower you got a sink you got a toilet you know yeah. it's your bathroom and then anyone can go in there and use it but when it's in there it's yours you know so that's basically what it is a, a male female and then everybody like family yeah. whatever yeah and uh, they're all accessible do you have a cabin of your own that you or you have one in your mind that you're you're building bit by bit I don't have one yet, but that's always been in my head. And uh, it's tricky to find a spot, especially with today's prices. But um, I would always yeah, love to do kind of a four by four access only kind of make the cabin down here, trailer it in and and slide it into a spot somewhere. I like small and simple and they're easy to maintain and, you know, roll it off a trailer and plop it in your spot and, and you'd be good to go. And, you know, hopefully a spot that not many people know about that like i said is is quad or jeep access only would be that's kind of my cool thing on a on a fishing lake or something would be the ideal so off grid i would like that yeah no no electricity how, how would you tackle that like do you think it's important to have all that stuff in a cabin all of the modern conveniences i will say being a wheelchair user those things are certainly more um <laughs> well just easier yeah. and uh they're definitely nice but that's also when you're staying in a place permanently or for a long period of time but for a weekend getaway or even a week would probably be the max that i'd want to or could anyways um i think part of the cool part is just uh figuring it out like uh you you do have to do things different you don't have the removable shower head that can just make things easy maybe you focus on making a some sort of access wood access into the water and um, so you can swim easier you know do your showering there would you get into the solar uh, generation uh, you know batteries and all of that because i mean that i've been exploring that now and um for a project of my own but it's not cheap like if you want to if you want a fully operational home with a dishwasher a dryer uh, air conditioning 
you're talking a lot of solar panels and a lot of batteries, like at least $25,000 investment, right? Off yeah. the bat. If yeah, you're talking just sure. a water pump and a, and a, and a, some lights about $10,000, but it's yeah. still not cheap. Yeah. So my brother-in-law is an electrician. He has an electrical company. And so they've been doing more and more of those for off-grid cabins and they are expensive, but yeah, pretty cool. Um, where the whole cabin is just self-sufficient and uh, backs up power when you're not using it. And yeah, they run fridges and hot water tanks and, and all sorts of things. The technology is is, is there. It, you yeah. can't say it's not there now. It's just, it's there. Maybe it's a little tricky to do it yourself. If you're going to go big like that, you might want to get your, your brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my hope is the more and more people that do it and use it uh, means this the price of this stuff comes down. I just bought a hundred amp hour, 27 group size battery, a 12 volt battery from my uh, blind fishing boat. It's got an electric trolling motor on it. I'm yep. tired of hauling around a lead acid <laughs> just battery, a 60 pound battery. You know, you, you can't carry it, not quite with one arm and yeah. two arms. You, you, what do you do? What, what do you hold your white cane with your mouth? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> so I bought that. I dropped 1200 bucks to buy a battery, $1,200 yep. to buy, a battery. but I can carry the, the battery with one hand. Like it's well, exactly. 24 pounds, 24 pounds in the case. So and I was, that's something that you're passionate about and it is going to make life easier and hopefully you'll have it long-term. So, you know, stuff like that is, is an investment physically and mentally in my book. <laughs> it is a, a buddy of mine offered to sell me his five horsepower gas, two stroke engine. Yeah. And, 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 and it would have been cheaper than yeah. the, the, the battery. It's a, it's an older engine, but. I said, the noise, the vibration, the stink of the gas and the oil burning. No, like, right choice. So are you a handyman yourself? Do you use all the tools or were you directing the uh, the operation at the renovation? A uh, little bit of both. So yeah, I, I like to uh, use my hands and build stuff and fix stuff. But just the scale of this was too big to uh, practically take on myself. And some of the stuff was just physically impossible. So I did uh, get some help from some friends and family. And um, yeah, even then it was it was down to the wire for getting some of the stuff done as it always is. <laughs> you always wonder when you see these things on television, these home renovation shows, did you have a budget for all this or? Yeah, yeah, we did. I guess the good thing is that they were planning to renovate anyways. A little bit more cost involved, but they were so willing to do these changes. It wasn't even a question. Heartwarming uh, how how willing they were to just do whatever it takes, especially knowing that there isn't a lot of these places. Like it, it's a very unique place because um, you can't just go build a hundred year old lodge. So they've got one of the very few and um, yeah, it's cool that a wheelchair can now go stay there. And uh, uh, you know, any disability is a lot better off uh, getting around up there. It's funny how things have changed. Like I've done some consulting around um, accessibility in outdoor facilities. And, you know, talking to lodge owners, I've, I've experienced, you know, pushback where they've said, oh no, we don't want those clients coming here. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it's, it's beyond their area of comfort, right? They don't totally. understand and they is. don't experience it. And, the, and the, to them, it kind of freaks them out that like, holy macro, this is going to change everything. And, and how are we going to do this? And is it going to scare off our, our regular clients? And they had yeah. all these, uh, these, these fears. And yeah. I, I think that's still around, right? To, to go hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Even just uh, like season one, we was, we was just taking people on adventures. And uh, we found that a couple times in that people were willing and able to do whatever these things are like the one lady wanted to go kayaking 
but she just found time after time that they weren't willing to you know to do the just just help out basically there was nothing really major um uh, but just it was just the liability or that's the excuse they used anyway is yeah. uh yeah you don't want to do this because we don't we're not prepared for it we're not set up for it blah blah, blah which in 2022 you have to appreciate a certain amount that that is a very realistic thing but i think some of them if they just were willing to have the conversation and just you know talk through it and how likely are things and what could be something put in place or a backup plan like that's really all it takes and that's what we did and and it went perfectly fine so yeah i think it's just more businesses willing to have an open mind i guess yeah, and it has nothing to do with with laws and, and rules and human rights. You know, in right. the end, business people are just doing their business and they're, they follow the codes and their buildings, you know, are built. So unless they do a major renovation, they don't have to change them necessarily. I mean, it right. is, it's standing there. It is what it is. That's what you get. So, yeah, it really is a, a willingness just to take that next step and, and uh, make that investment, embrace a more holistic way of viewing their clients, right? Yep. And at the very least, just have the conversation. Are you going to do this as a hobby now? You're going to become a consultant? Uh, you know, it's crossed my mind actually just recently. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I would have a lot to learn myself because I'm more of a, if it works, it's good type person, but I know that doesn't work for everyone. So, uh, yeah. A handy man, a real handy man. <laughs> yeah. My, my life has been a lot more like duct tape and, and, uh, sticks type thing, but, um, I think too, a lot of people are, you know, the population of Canada is getting older, baby boomers are getting older. And if you look at demographic trends and disability, you know, knee injuries, back problems are like 40% of people over 65 have problems with their knees and their hips and their backs. Oh, so yeah. having, you know, e less steps and more level terrain is super important. Totally. Having a ramp with a rail up the side, like it, it's <laughs> just so much better than these stairs with no rail off into who knows what i love it bruce thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule looking forward to um what's coming up next You're, you must be f busy filming season three is that right yeah we are and uh it's a crazy one it's the first time that we will be filming out of country and oh. way out of country so <laughs> which is uh, a whole different ball game uh we thought the lodge was bad being a couple hours drive away but yeah this is uh it's taking a lot more planning and uh, a lot more work. Well, don't drink the water, my friend. Nope. <laughs> That's for sure. Bruce, where can people uh, follow you and or find more about what you're doing? Uh, yeah. So the show by Hooker by Cook is available on AMI.com. Uh, it's under the little watch tab. Um, we've got two seasons fully up there now. The last uh, episode of season two just aired the other day. And uh, myself, it's just at Bruce Cook FMX on all social media platforms. Outdoor tips and tech. Six degrees on your left, 122 meters. I purchased a cabin in Cape Breton and owned it for 15 years. You know, I spent my summers there while I was a university student fishing on cod boats and just enjoying the scenery there and fixing up that old cabin. My only regret, other than selling it, is that I should have left it as a three-season cabin. In year two of ownership, I put siding on the outside, I put insulation on the inside and then drywall, and then I realized as soon as it got cool at night and I had to close the windows, I couldn't hear anything outdoors anymore. I couldn't hear the sounds of nature. 
If I just left it three seasons instead of winterizing it, I would have maintained that sort of multi-sensory connection with nature. Over the past 15 years, I've owned three different recreational vehicles. In specific, travel trailers, you know, like campers. Each one was chosen to serve the specific needs of my growing family at the time. When Lily was just a baby, she was six months old when we got our first one. The downside of owning a camping trailer is that they're not an asset. Like a car or truck, they just go down in value over the years. The reason I like owning one, though, versus a cabin, is I don't have all the responsibility of maintaining a second home and the land that goes along with it. No grass to cut, no tree branches to get off my roof, and no roofs to fix. I keep the trailer on my driveway, ready to go during camping season. We've traveled a lot in our trailers. Unlike a cottage, if you don't use your trailer one weekend, you don't feel bad about it. A cottage is always there calling out, come, come back, where are you? And if you don't go back to your cottage every weekend or every free weekend, you feel like you're wasting your money. A trailer? Yeah, you don't feel that so much. You can spend your money on some other vacation. Doesn't always have to be around the camper. Last thing, you know, I mentioned we've seen so much and there's more to see. When I was spending all those years at my cabin in Cape Breton, that's where I spent all my vacation time. In Cape Breton. Now, it's not bad, but I've never would have seen all the things we've experienced since then if I still own that cottage. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel Majid and Paula Deneen. They're my technicians. The manager of AMI Audio is Andy Frank. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.